Welcome to another episode of Corona Cold Reads, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Every Tuesday and Saturday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern, we're getting together on YouTube Live to broadcast a cold reading of a Shakespeare play. Our actors run the gamut from um, non-professional actors to some of the biggest names in uh, North American classical theater. Um, But what we all have in common is just a really genuine love of Shakespeare and in these uncertain, really genuinely scary times, um, what makes us feel better is getting together and listening to the text and exploring these stories together. So hopefully these episodes will bring you comfort as well, and you'll enjoy them as much as we enjoyed recording them. Um, All of the videos are available on our YouTube channel, which you just search My Entertainment World, um, as well as on our website, myentertainmentworld.ca, where you can find the full cast lists, um, as well as lots of other articles and all of our other content that we have going up all the time. Um, also, you should follow us on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's both my ent world, my ENT world. Um, there you'll see, be able to see highlights from all of the recordings, um, as well as you can get the links to watch us live. Um, But we also have all sorts of content created just specifically for those platforms. In addition to, um, that's where you can find links to all of our website content as well, which is myentertainmentworld.ca. The videos do stay up after the live recording, so you can watch them after the fact, or you can catch the audio version in the podcast feed, um, which is you just search My Entertainment World in uh, iTunes, and there you'll find all of our different podcast series where we have the favorite series, the Shakespeare series, the nominee interview series, uh, Corona Cold Reads, Corona Movie Club, Season 1, Episode 1, and the My Entertainment World podcast. Um, Tons of different things happening. There's never been a better time to subscribe to our podcast. We have so much content happening right now. Um, but you're here for Corona Cold Reads for Shakespeare. Um, so these are cold reads for the most part. Uh, our actors n- did not have more than a day, maybe two, if they're lucky, um, to look over the text if they wanted to. Most of them didn't have the chance to, so it is just them sitting down and reading it cold. Um, so you'll you'll be able to hear that there will be some rocky moments and sometimes when we may have to pause and um, wonder why somebody's got their zoom on mute or you know how things happen. Um, we're all adjusting to these new technologies to cope with what we're going through right now. So I hope you enjoy. This episode is all about the Scottish play, um, which is another one of Shakespeare's most famous plays, obviously. You probably studied it in grade 10. Um, As such, I don't think I need to tell you all that much about it. You know, Scottish Thane kills the king, all hell breaks loose, out, out, damn spot, you know the drill. Um, This is an interesting one. It's, I think, a little overdone, um, and as such, with with a lot of the ones that I think um, are overdone, they're somehow simultaneously underappreciated. I think because um, a lot of students vividly remember studying this and having to write like a paper about the use of blood imagery or whatever, um, I think it's sort of ill-loved. Um, but then it's, it's also, you know, it's action packed. It's one of Shakespeare's shortest, uh, plays, definitely one of his shortest tragedies. Um, it's been adapted quite a few times, often quite well, um, cause it's fairly simplistic. It's really focused. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's it just, you've got your central character, you get a glimpse inside his mind, you get a very central, 
storyline, one main spiral. Um, and then, you know, from there, the sort of, uh, it, it does have a little bit of um, inter- room for interpretation in terms of the righteousness or lack thereof of the main character, some of the motivations, that kind of stuff. Um, but it is one of Shakespeare's simpler plays, uh, almost like his action movie. Like it's it's very um, and very entertaining, very well paced, just a fun. It's I don't know. It's like it's dark, but I guess I, I was going to use the word romp, but that feels wrong. But like, you know what I mean? It's a fun one. Um, yeah. Witchcraft. I don't know. It's a, it's a crowd pleaser, if you will. Um, playing our lead roles this time around, we have, uh, Luis Fernandez and Anne Van Lewin, who are, um, two of the co-founders of the assembly theater, um, which uh, you'll hear at the very end of the recording uh, pitch for their GoFundMe. Obviously, everything is shut down with COVID at the moment. Um, and the independent theaters, m- more than a- anyone I can really think of, um, maybe restaurants, but I, the independent theaters need your help. Um, they're, they're facing a real uphill battle in terms of staying open. And s- especially small spaces like that are going to be so, so important um, when we are able to go back out into the world and be together again, um, we're not going to be able to be together in the 2,000-seat theaters. You're not going to be able to see Hamilton. Um, but the 60-seat theater in Parkdale, um, where you can see a, an original piece or a contemporary piece by a small independent company, that's going to be the lifeblood. That's going to be the art we're going to be able to get back Um and though, so these theaters have to survive in order to see that day. And in order to help us out then, they need to be, we need to help them out now. Um, so you're going to hear Lewis uh, give a little bit of a pitch for their GoFundMe at the end of the recording. And I really do encourage you to go check out that fundraising campaign and give what you can to support the Assembly Theater. Um, on this recording, you can hear the talent and the passion behind, um, of some of the artists behind that company. Um, they're really special people and, uh, yeah. So listen to them, read some of the defining characters in the English canon and then go throw them 50 bucks so that they can continue to make great art because they make such great art and I want them to keep making great art. Okay. Thank you. When shall we three meet again in thunder, lightning, or in rain? When the hurly-burly's done, when the battle's lost and won. That will be ere the set-up sun. Where the place upon the heath. There to meet with Macbeth. I come, Grey Malkin. Paddock calls. Anon. Fair foul and foul is fair. Hover through the fog and fill the air. Exit. Zoom is not great at simultaneous talking, but we're going to make it through. <laughs> right. Uh, scene two, a camp near forests. Alarm within. Enter Duncan, Malcolm, Donalbane, and Lennox with attendants meeting a bleeding sergeant. What bloody, ma- what bloody man is that? He can report, as seemeth by his plight, of the revolt, the newest state. Shay, are you there, Shay? 
Where's Shailen? This is the sergeant <laughs> who, like a good and hardy, hardy soldier, fought against my captivity. Hail, brave friend. Say to the king the knowledge of the broil as thou didst leave it. Doubtfully it stood, as two spent swimmers that do cling together and choke their art. The merciless MacDonald, worthy to be a rebel, for to that the multiplying villainies of nature do swarm upon him. From the western isles of Kearns and Galloglasses is supplied, and fortune on his damned quarrel smiling, showed like a rebel's whore. But all's too weak, for brave Macbeth, well he deserves that name, disdaining fortune with his brandished steel, which smoked with bloody execution, like valor's minion carved out his passage till he faced the slave, which ne'er shook hands nor bade farewell to him, till he unseamed him from the nave to the chaps and fixed his head upon our battlements. O valiant cousin, worthy gentleman, as whence the sun gins his reflection, shipwrecking storms and direful thunders break, so from that spring whence comfort seemed to come, discomfort swells. Mark, King of Scotland, mark. No sooner justice had with valor armed compelled these skipping kerns to trust their heels, but the Norwegian, Norwegian, Norwegian lord, surveying vantage with furbished arms and new supplies of men, began a fresh assault. Dismayed not this, our captains, Macbeth and Banquo? Yes, as sparrows, eagles, or the hare, the lion. If I say sooth, I must report they were as cannons o'ercharged with, with double cracks, so they doubly redoubled strokes upon the foe, except they meant to bathe in reeking wounds or memorize another Gol Golgotha. I cannot tell, but I am faint. My gashes cry for help. So well thy words become thee as thy wounds. They smack of honor both. Go, get him surgeons. Exit sergeant attended. Who comes here? Enter Ross. The worthy thane of I, Ross. <laughs> what a haste looks through his eyes. So should he look, that seems to speak things strange. God save the king. Whence camest thou, worthy thane? From faith, great king, where the Norwegian banner flout the sky and fan our people cold. Norway himself, with terrible numbers, assisted by the most disloyal traitor, Athena Cador <coughs> began a dismal conflict till that Bellona's bridegroom lapped in proof, confronted him with self-comparisons. Point against point, rebellious, arm against arm, curbing his lavish spirit, and to the conclude, the victory fell on us! Ha ha! Great happiness. That now, Sueno, the Norway's king, <coughs> craves composition. Nor would we deign him burial of his men till he dispersed at St. Combs Inch $10,000 to our general use. 
No more that thane of Cotter shall deceive our bosom interest. Go pronounce his present death, and with his former title greet Macbeth. Well, I'll see it done. What he hath lost, noble Macbeth hath won. Exunt. Scene three, a heath near forest. Enter three thunder. Enter three witches. Where hast thou been, sister? Killing swine. Sister, where thou? A sailor's wife had chestnuts in her lap and munched and munched and munched. Give me, quoth I, a right thee witch, the rump-fed runyon cries. Her husband's to Aleppo gone, master of the tiger, but in a sieve all thither sail, and like a rat without a tail, I'll do, I'll do, and I'll do. I'll give thee a wind. And I, and I, another. I myself have all the other, and the very ports they blow, all the quarters that they know. In the shipman's card, I will drain him dry as hay. Sleep shall neither night nor day hang upon his penthouse lid. He shall live a man forbid. Weary send nights nine times nine shall he dwindle, peak and pine. Though his bark cannot be lost, yet it shall be tempest-tossed. Look what I have. Show me, show me. Here I have a pilot's thumb, wrecked as homeward he did come. A drum, a drum. Macbeth doth come. <laughs> the weird he and sisters hand in hand. hand. Posters of, of the, the sea and land. Thus you go, go about, about, about thrice. Enter Macbeth and Banquo. So foul and fair a day I have not seen. How far is called to forest? What are these? So withered and so wild in their attire that look not like the inhabitants of the earth and yet are on it. Live you? Or are you aught that men may question? You seem to understand me. By each at once, her chappy finger laying upon her skinny lips. You, sh you should be women, and yet your beards forbid me to interpret that you are so. Speak if you can. What are you? All hail, Macbeth. Hail to thee, Thane of Gloms. All hail, Macbeth. Thane to hail to thee, Thane of Cawdor. All hail, Macbeth. Thou shalt be king hereafter. Good sir, why do you start and seem to fear the things that do sound so fair? In the name of truth, are ye fantastical, or that indeed which outwardly ye show? My noble partner, you greet with present grace and great prediction of noble having and of royal hope. That heat seems wrapped withal, to me you speak not. If you can look into the sands of time and say which grain will grow and which not, speak then to me who neither beg nor fear your favors nor your hate. Hail. Hail. 
Hail. Lesser than Macbeth and greater. Not so happy, yet much happier. Thou shalt get kings, though thou be none. So, all hail Macbeth and Banquo. Banquo and Macbeth, all hail. Stay, you imperfect speakers, tell me more. By Sinel's death, I know I am Thane of Glamis. But how of Cawdor? The Thane of Cawdor lives, a prosperous gentleman, and to be king stands not within the prospect of belief, no more than to, ca to be Cawdor. Say from whence you owe this strange intelligence, or why upon this blasted heath you stop our way with such prophetic greeting? Speak, I charge you. Which is vanish. The earth hath bubbles as the water has, and these are of them. Whither are they vanished? Into the air. And what seemed corporal melted as breath into the wind. Would they had stayed? We're such things here as we do speak about? Or have we eaten on the insane root that takes reason prisoner? Your children shall be kings. You shall be king. And Thane of Cawdor too went... It not so? To the same self-tune and words. Who's here? Boss and Angus. Oh, oh. The king hath happily received Macbeth the news of thy success, and when he reads thy personal venture in the rebel's fate, he wonders and these praises do contend which should be thine or his. Silence with that in view, and o'er the rest of the self-same day, he finds thee. In the stout Norwegian ranks, not no fear of what thyself didst take, strange images of death. As thick as hail came post with post, and everyone did bear thy praises in his kingdom's great defence, and poured them down before him. We are sent to give thee from our royal master thanks, only to herald thee into his sight, not pay thee. And for an earnest of a great honour, he bade me from him call thee. Thane Cawdor, in which addition, hail, most worthy Thane, eh? for it is thine. What? Can the devil speak true? The Thane of Cawdor lives. Why do you dress me in borrowed robes? Who was the Thane lives yet, but under heavy judgment bears that life which he deserves to lose. Whether he was combined with those of Norway, or did line the rebel with hidden help and vantage, or that with both he labored in his country's wreck, I know not. But treason's capital, confessed and proved, hath overthrown him. Well, I'm the insane of Cawdor. The greatest is behind. Why is he looking a gift horse in the mouth? Jeez. Thanks for your pains. Do you not hope your children shall be kings, when those that give the thane of Cawdor to me promise no less to them? That trusted home might yet enkindle you unto the crown, besides the Thane of Cawdor, but tis strange. And oftentimes, to win us to our harm, the instruments of darkness tell us truths, win us with honest trifles to betrays in deepest consequence. Cousins, a word, I pray you. Two truths are told, as happy prologue to the swelling act of the imperial theme. I thank you, gentlemen. Cannot be ill, cannot be good. If ill, why hath it given me earnest of success, commencing in a truth? I am Thane of Cawdor. If good, why do I yield to that suggestion whose horrid image doth unfix my hair 
and make me my seated heart knock at my ribs against the use of nature. Present fears are less than horrible imaginings. My thought, whose murder yet is but fantastical, shakes so my single state of man that function is smothered in surmise, and nothing is but what it is not. Look how our partner's wrapped. If chance will have me king, by chance my, may crown me without my stir. New horrors come upon him, like our strange garments. Cleave not to their mold, but with the aid of use. Come what, come may. Time and the hour runs through the roughest day. Worthy Macbeth, we stay upon your leisure. Give me your favor. My dull brain was wrought with things forgotten. Kind gentlemen, your pains are registered where every day I turn the leaf to read them. Let us toward the king. Think upon what hath chanced, and at more time, the interim having waited, let us speak our free hearts to each other. Very gladly. Till then enough. Come, friends. Exunt. Scene four, forest, a palace. Enter, flourish. Enter Duncan, Malcolm, Donald, Bain, Lennox, and attendants. Duncan? You're Is on- execution done on Carter, or not those in, <laughs> in commission yet returned? My liege, they are not yet come back. But I have spoke with one that saw him die, who did report that very frankly he confessed his treasons, implored your highness's pardon, and set forth a deep remor- repentance. Nothing in his life became him like the leaving of it. He died as one that had been studied in his death to throw away the dearest thing he owed as twere a careless trifle. There's no art to find the man's construction in the face. He was a gentleman on whom I built an absolute trust. Enter Macbeth, Banquo, Ross, and Angus. Oh, worthiest cousin. The sin of my ingratitude even now was heavy on me. Thou art so far before that swiftest wing of recompense is slow to overtake thee. Would thou hadst less deserved that the proportion both of thanks and repayment and payment might have been mine. Only I have left to say, more is thy due than more than all can pay. The service and the loyalty I owe in doing it pays itself. Your Highness's part is to receive our duties, and our duties are to your throne and state children and servants, which do but what they should by doing everything safe towards your love and honor. Welcome hither. I have begun to plant thee, and will labor to make the full, thee full of glowing. Noble Banquo, thou that hast no less deserved, nor must be known no less to have done so. Let me enfold thee, and hold thee to my heart. There if I grow, the harvest is your own. My plenteous joys, wanton in fullness, seek to hide themselves in drops of sorrow. Sons, kinsmen, thanes, and you whose places are the nearest, Know we will establish our estate upon our eldest, Malcolm, who we name hereafter the Prince of Cumberland. Which honor must not unaccompanied invest him only, but signs of nobleness, like stars, shall shine on all deservers, from hence to Inverness, and bind us further to you. The rest is labor, which is not used for you. I'll be myself the harbinger, and make joyful the hearing of my wife with your approach. So humbly take my leave. My worthy Cawdor. The Prince of Cumberland. 
that is a step on which I must fall down or else overleap, for in my way it lies. Stars hide your fires. Let not light see my black and deep desires. The eye wink at the hand, yet let that be, which the eye fears when it is done to see. Exit. True, worthy Banquo, he is full, so valiant, and in his commendations I am fed. It is a banquet to me. Let after him whose care is gone before to bid us welcome. It is a peerless kinsman. Flourish, exeunt. Scene five, Inverness, Macbeth's castle, enter Lady Macbeth reading a letter. They met me in the day of success, and I have learned by the perfectest report they have more in them than mortal knowledge. When I burned in desire to question them further, they made themselves air into which they vanished. Whilst I stood wrapped in the wonder of it came missives from the king who all hailed me Thane of Cawdor, by which title before these weird sisters saluted me and referred me to the coming on of time with hail king that shalt be. This have I thought good to deliver thee, my dearest partner of greatness, that thou mightst not lose the dues of rejoicing by being ignorant of what greatness has promised thee. Lay it to thy heart and farewell. <sighs> Glamis thou art and codder, thou shalt be what thou art promised. Yet do I fear thy nature. It is too full of the milk of human kindness to catch the nearest way. Thou wouldst be great, art not without ambition. But without the illness should attend it, what thou wouldst highly, that wouldst thou holily, wouldst not play false. And yet wouldst wrongly win. Thou'dst have, great Glamis, that which cries, thus thou must do it if thou have it, and that which rather thou dost fear to do than wishest should be done. Hie thee hither, that I may pour my spirits in thine ear, and chastise with the valour of my tongue all that impedes thee from the golden round, which fate and metaphysical aid doth seem to have thee crowned withal. Enter a messenger. What is your tidings? The king comes here tonight. Thou mad to say it. Is not thy master with him? Who, were it so, would have informed for preparation? So please you, it is true. Our thane is coming. One of my fellows had the speed of him, who, almost dead for breath, had scarcely more than would make up his message. Give him tending. He brings great news. Exit messenger. The raven himself is horse that croaks the fatal entrance of Duncan under my battlements. Come, you spirits that tend on mortal thoughts, unsex me here and fill me from the crown to the toe, top full of direst Cruelty. Make thick my blood. Stop up the excess and passage to remorse that no compunction visiting of nature shake my fell purpose nor keep peace between the effect and it. Come to my woman's breasts and take my milk for gall, you murdering ministers, wherever in your sightless substances you wait on nature's mischief. Come, thick night and pall thee in the dunnest smoke of hell, that my keen knife see not the wound it makes, nor heaven peep through the blanket of the dark to cry, Hold! Hold! Enter Macbeth. Great Columbus, 
Worthy Cawdor, greater than both, by the all hail hereafter. Thy letters have transported me beyond the ignorant present, and I feel now the future in the instant. My dearest love, Duncan comes here tonight. And when goes hence? Tomorrow, as he purposes. Oh, never shall some that morrow see. Your face, my fame, is as to a book where men may read strange matters. To beguile the time, look like the time. Bear welcome in your eye, your hand, your tongue. Look like the innocent flower, but be the serpent under it. He that's coming must be provided for, and you shall put this night's great business into my dispatch, which shall to all our nights and days to come give solely sovereign sway and masterdom. We will speak further. Only look up clear. To alter favor ever is to fear. Leave all the rest to me. Excellent. Scene six, before Macbeth's castle, hot boys and torches enter Duncan, Malcolm, Donald Bain, Banquo, Lennox, Macduff, Ross, and Ross, Angus, and attendants. This castle hath a pleasant seat. The air nimbly and sweetly recommends itself unto our gentle senses. This guest of summer, the temple haunting martlet does approve by his loved masonry that the heaven's breath smells wooingly here. No jetty, freeze, buttress, no coin of vantage, but this bird hath made his pendant bed and procreant cradle where they most breed and haunt. I have observed the air is delicate. Enter lady. See, see, uh, see, see our honored hostess. The love that follows us sometime is our trouble, which still we thank as love. Herein I teach you how you shall bid God out us for your pains and thank us for your trouble. All our service in every point, point, twice done and then done double, were poor and single business to contend against those honors deep and broad, wherewith your majesty loads our house. For those of old and the late dignities heaped up to them, we rest your armaments. Where's the thane of Cawdor? We coursed him at the heels and had a purpose to be his purveyor, but he rides well, and his great love, sharp as his spur, hath helped him to his home before us. Fair and noble hostess, we are your guests tonight. Your servants ever have theirs, themselves, and what is theirs in compt, to make their audit at your highness' pleasure, still to return your own. Give me your hand. Conduct me to mine host. We love him highly and shall continue our graces towards him. By your leave, hostess. Exit. Scene seven, Macbeth's castle. Enter a sewer and divers, servants with dishes and service, and pass over the stage, then enter Macbeth. If we're done when it is done, then toward well it were done quickly. If the assassination could trammel up the consequence and catch with his Circe's success, that but this blow might be the be-all and end-all here. But here, upon this bank and shoal of time, we jump the life to come. But in these cases, we still have judgment here. That we but teach bloody instructions, which, being taught, return to plague the inventor. This even-handed justice commends the ingredients of our poison chalice to our own lips. He's here in double trust. First, as I am his kinsman and his subject strong both against the deed. 
Then, as his host, who should, against his murderer, shut the door, not bear the knife myself. Besides, this Duncan hath borne his faculties so meek, hath been so clear in his great office, that his virtues will plead like angels, trumpet-tongued against the dam, the deep damnation of his taking off, in pity like a naked newborn babe, striding the blast of heaven's cherubim, horsed upon the sightless couriers of the air, shall blow the horrid deed in every eye, that tears shall drown the wind. I have no spur to prick the sides of my intent, but only vaulting ambition, which o'erleaps itself and falls on the other. How now? What news? Enter Lady Macbeth. He has almost supped. Why have you left the chamber? Have he asked for me? No, you're not. He has. We will proceed no further in this business. He hath honored me of late, and I have bought golden opinions from all sorts of people, which will be worn now in their newest gloss, not cast aside so soon. Was the hope drunk wherein you dressed yourself? Hath it slept since? And wakes it now to look so green and pale at what it did so freely? From this time, such a I account thy love. Art thou feared to be the same in thine own act and valor as thou art in desire? Wouldst thou have that which thou esteemest the ornament of life, and live a coward in thine own esteem, letting I dare not wait upon I would, like the poor cat in the adage? Privy peace. I dare do all that may become a man who dares do more as none. What beast was it then that made you break this enterprise to me? When you durst do it, then you were a man. And to be more than what you were, you would be so much more than the man. No time nor place to then adhere, and yet you would make both. They have made themselves, and that their fitness now does unmake you. I have given suck, and know how tender it is to love the babe that milks me. I would, while it was smiling in my face, have plucked my nipple from his boneless gums and dashed the brains out, had I so sworn as you have done to this. If we should fail. We fail. But screw your courage to the sticking place and will not fail. When Duncan is asleep, whereto the rather shall his day's hard journey soundly invite him. His two chamberlains will I with wine and wassail so convince that memory, the water of the brain, shall be a fume, and the receipt of reason a limbeck only. When in swinish sleep their drenched natures lie as in a death, what cannot you and I perform upon the unguarded Duncan? What not put upon his spongy officers who shall bear the guilt of our great quell. Bring forth men children only, for thy undaunted metal should compose nothing but males. Will it not be received when we have marked with bloody these sleepy two of his own chamber and used their very daggers that they have done it? Who dares receive it other as we shall make our griefs and clamor roar upon his death? I am settled and bend up each corporal agent to this terrible feat. Away and mock the time with fairest show. False face must hide what the false heart doth know. Exit. Scene two, act two, scene one, court of Macbeth's castle. Enter Banquo and Fleance bearing a torch before him. How goes the night, boy? The moon is down. I have not heard the clock. And she goes down at twelve. 
I take it his later, sir. Hold. Take my sword. There's husbandry in heaven. Their candles are all out. Take thee that too. A heavy summons lies like lead upon me. And yet I would not sleep. Merciful powers, restrain in me the cursed thoughts that nature gives way into repose. Enter Macbeth and a servant with a torch. Give me my sword. Who's there? A friend. What? Sir, not yet at rest. The king's abed. He hath been in unusual pleasure and set forth great largesse to your offices. This diamond, he greets your wife withal by the name of most kind hostess and shut up in measureless content. Being unprepared, our will become the servant to defect, which else should free have wrought. All's well. I dreamt last night of the three weird sisters. To you, they have showed some truth. I think not of them. Yet when we can entreat an hour to serve, we should, we would spend it in some words upon that business, if you would grant the time. At your kindest leisure. If you shall cleave to my consent when tis, it shall make honor for you. So I lose none in seeking to augment it, but still keep my bosom franchised and allegiance clear. I shall be counseled. Could repose the while. Thanks, sir. The like to you. Exit Banquo and Fleance. Go bid thy mistress when my drink is ready. She strike upon the bell. Get thee to bed. Exit servant. Is this a dagger which I see before me? The handle toward my hand. Come, let me clutch thee. I have thee not, and yet I see thee still. Art thou not, fatal vision, sensible to feeling as to sight? Or art thou but a dagger of the mind, a false creation? Proceeding from the heat-oppressed brain. I see thee yet, in form as palpable as this which now I draw. Thou marshalt me the way that I was going, and such an instrument I was to use. Mine eyes are made the fools all of the other senses, or else worth all the rest. I see thee still, and on thy blade and dungeon gouts of blood, which was not so before. There's no such thing. It is the bloody business which informs thus to mine eyes. Now o'er the one half-world nature seems dead, and wicked dreams abuse the curtained sleep. Witchcraft celebrates pale Hecate's offerings and withered murder. I learn by his sentinel, the wolf, whose howl has watched thus with his stealthy pace, with Tarquin's ravishing strides towards design moves like a ghost. Thou sure and firm said earth, Hear not my steps which way they walk for fear. Thy very stones prate of my whereabout, and take the present whore from the time which now suits with it. Whiles I threat he lives, words to the heat of deeds too cold breath gives. Ding! I go and it is done. The bell invites me. Hear it not, Duncan, for it is a knell that summons thee to heaven or to hell. Exit. Scene two, the same. Enter Lady Macbeth. That which hath made them drunk hath made me bold. 
What hath quenched them hath given me fire. Hark, peace. It was the owl that shrieked, the fatal bellman which gives the sternest good night. He is about it. The doors are open, and the surfeited grooms do mock their charge with snores. I have drugged their possets that death and nature do contend about them, whether they live or die. Who's there? What ho? Lack, I am afraid they have awaked and tis not done. The attempt and not the deed confounds us. Hark! I laid their daggers ready and could not miss them. Had he not resembled my father as he slept, I'd have done it. Enter Macbeth. My husband! I have done the deed. Did this, didst thou hear, not hear a noise? I heard the owl scream and the crickets cry. Did not you speak? When? Now. As I descended. I. Hark! Who lies in the second chamber? Donald Bane. This is a sorry sight. Foolish thought to say a sorry sight. As one did laugh in his sleep, and one cried murder, and they did wake each other, I stood and heard them, but they did say their prayers and addressed them again to sleep. There are two lodged together. One cried, God bless us, and amen the other, as they had seen me with these hangman's hands, listening with a fear I could not say amen, but they did say, God bless us. Consider it not so deeply. But wherefore could I not, I pronounce amen? I had most need of blessing and our men stuck in my throat. These deeds must not be thought after these ways. So it will make us mad. Thought I have heard a voice cry sleep no more. Macduff, Macbeth doth murder sleep, the innocent sleep. Sleep that knits up the raveled sleeve of care, the death of each day's life. Sore labor's bath, balm of hurt minds, great nature's second course. Chief nourisher in life's feast. What do you mean? Still it cries sleep no more to all the house. Glamis hath murdered sleep, and therefore Cardor shall sleep no more. Macbeth shall sleep no more. Who was it that cried thus? Why, worthy Thane, why do you unbend your noble strength to think so brain-sickly of things? Go, get some water, and wash this filthy witness from your hand. Why did you bring these daggers from the place? They must lie there. Go, carry them, and smear the sleepy grooms with blood. Oh, go no more. I am afraid to think of what I have done. Look on it again, I dare not. Infirm of purpose. Give me the daggers. The sleeping and the dead are but as pictures. Tis the eye of childhood that fears a painted devil. If he do bleed, I'll gild the faces of the grooms withal. For it must seem their guilt. Whence is that knocking? How is with me with every noise appalls me? What hands are here? Huh. They pluck out mine eyes. Will all great Neptune's ocean wash this blood clean from my hand? No, this my hand will rather the molten sea in our garden, making the green one red. My hands are of your color, but I shame to wear a heart so white. I hear a knocking at the south entry. Retire we to our chamber. A little water clears us of this deed. How easy is it then? Your constancy hath left you unattended. Hark, more knocking. Get on your nightgown. Let occasion call us and show us to be watchers. Be not lost so poorly in your thoughts. No, my deed, were best not know myself. Wake, duck it with thy knocking. Oh, thou couldst. 
Exit. Scene three, the same. Knocking within, enter a porter. Here's a knocking indeed. If a man were a porter of Hellgate, he should have old turning the key. Knock, knock, knock. Who's there? In the name of Beelzebub. Here's a, uh, a farmer that hanged himself on the expectation of plenty. Come in time, he'll have Hopkins now about you. Here you'll swear for it. Knock, knock. Who's there in the other devil's name? Faith, here's an equivocator that could swear both scales against either scale. Who, uh, coming treason enough for God's sake, yet could not equivocate to heaven? Oh, come in, equivocator! Knock, knock, never a quiet. What are you now? But this place is too cold for hell. I'll devil porter it no further. I had thought to have let in some of all the professions that go to the primrose way in the everlasting bonfire. Anon, anon, I pray you, remember the porter. Was it so late, friend, ere you went to bed that you do lie so late? Faith, sir, we were carousing till the second cock, and drink, sir, is a provoker of three things. What three things does drink especially provoke? Mary, sir, uh, nose painting, sleep, and urine. Lechery, sir, it provokes and unprovokes. It provokes the desire, but takes away the performance. Therefore, um, uh, much drink be said to be an equivocator with lechery. It makes him and it mars him. It sets him on and it takes him off. It persuades him and disheartens him, makes him stand to and not stand to. In conclusion, equivocates him in his sleep and giving him the lie, leaves him. I believe drink gave thee the lie last night. That it did, sir, the very throat on me. But I requited him for his lie, and I think being too strong for him, though he took up my legs sometime, yet I made a shift to cast him. Is thy master stirring? Hunter Macbeth. Our knocking has awaked him. Here he comes. Good morrow, noble sir. He's covered in blood. Uh, oh, God. Uh, sorry, guys, can't find it. Wait a minute, that's not blood. Can you search for, like, do a word search for good morrow, noble sir? I got it, I got it. Good morrow, both. Uh, is the king stirring, worthy thing? Not yet. He did command me to call timely on him. I've almost slipped the hour. I'll bring you to him. I know this is a joyful trouble to you, but yet tis one. The labor we delight is physics pain. This is the door. I'll make so bold to call, for tis my limited service. Exit. Goes the king hence today? He does. He did appoint so. Ah, the night has been unruly. Where we lay, our chimneys were blown down. And as they say, lamentings heard in the air, strange screams of death, and prophesying with accents terrible 
of dire combustion and confused events, new hat to the woeful time. The obscure bird clamored the livelong night. Some say the earth was feverish and did shake. Twas a rough night. My young remembrance cannot parallel a fellow to it. Re-enter Macduff. Oh, horror, horror, horror. Tongue nor heart cannot conceive nor name thee. What's the matter? What's the matter? Confusion now hath made his masterpiece. Most sacrilegious murder hath broke ope the Lord's anointed temple and stole thence the life of the building. What did you say? The life. Mean you his majesty. Approach the chamber and destroy your sight with a new gorgon. Do not bid me speak. See, and then speak yourselves. Present Macbeth and Lennox. Awake, awake, ring the alarm bell. Murder and treason. Benquo and Donald Payne. Mac- Malcolm, awake. Shake off this drowsy sleep, death counterfeit, and look on death itself. Up, up, and see the great doom's image. Malcolm, Benquo, as from your graves, rise up and walk like sprites to countenance this horror. Ring the bell. Bell rings. Enter Lady Macbeth. What's the business that such a hideous trumpet calls to parlay the sleepers of this house? Speak! Speak! Oh, gentle lady, tis not for you to hear what I can speak. The repetition in a woman's ear would murder as it fell. Enter Banquo. Oh, Banquo, Banquo, our royal master's murdered. Well, alas, what in our house? Too cruel anywhere. Dear Duff, I prithee, contradict thyself and say it is not so. Re-enter Macbeth and Lennox with Ross. Had I but died an hour before this chance, I had lived a blessed time. For from this instant there is nothing serious in mortality. All is but toys, renown, and grace is dead. The wine of life is drawn, and the mere lees is left this vault to brag of. Enter Malcolm and Donald Bain. What is amiss? You are and do not know it. The spring, the head, the fountain of your blood is stopped. The very source of it is stopped. Your royal father's murdered. Oh, by whom? Those of his chamber, as it seemed, had done it. Their hands and faces were embathed with blood. So were their daggers, which unwiped we found upon their pillows. They stared and were distracted. No man's life was to be trusted with them. Oh, yet I do repent me of my fury that I did kill them. Wherefore did you so? Who can be wise, amazed, temperate, and furious, loyal, and neutral in a moment? No man. The expedition, my violent love, outrun the pause of reason. Here lay Duncan, his silver skin laced with his golden blood, and his gashed stabs looked like a breach in nature for Rune's wasteful entrance. There. The murderers, steeped in the colors of their trade, their daggers, unmannerly breach with gore. Who could refrain that had a heart to love, and in that heart courage to make love known? My hands, oh! Look to the lady. Why do we hold our tongues that most may claim this argument for ours? What should be spoken here where our fate, hidden in an auger hole, may rush and seize us? Let's away, our tears are not yet brewed. Nor our strong sorrow upon the foot of motion. Look to the lady. Lady Macbeth is carried out. And when we have our naked frailties hid, 
that suffer and exposure. Let us meet and question this most bloody piece of work to know it further. Fears and scruples shake us. In the great hand of God, I stand. And thence against the undivulged pretense, I fight of treasonous malice. And so do I. So all. So all. Let's briefly put on manly readiness and meet in the hall together. Well contented. Exunt all but Malcolm and Donalbane. What will you do? Let's not consort with them to show an unfelt sorrow is in the office, which the false man does easy. I'll to England. To Ireland, I. Our separated fortune shall keep us both the safer. Where we are, there's daggers in men's smiles, and near in blood, the nearer bloody. This murderous shaft that's shot hath not yet lighted, and our safest way is to avoid the aim. Therefore, to horse. And let us not be dainty of leave-taking, but shift away. There's warrant in that theft which steals itself, and there's no mercy left. Exunt, scene four outside Macbeth's castle. Enter Ross and an old man. Three score and ten I can remember well. Within the volume of which time I have seen hours dreadful and things strange. But this sore night hath trifled former knowings. Aye, good father, thou seest the heavens is troubled with man's act, threaten his bloody stage. By the clock tis day, and yet dark night strangles the travelling lamp. Is the night's predominance, or the day's shame at darkness, does the face of earth in two, when living light should kiss it? Tis unnatural, even like the deed that's done. On Tuesday last, a falcon, towering in her pride of place, was by a mousing owl, hawked at and killed. Oh, and Duncan's horses, a thing most strange and certain, beauteous and swift, the minions of their race, turned wild in nature, broke their stalls, flung out, contending against obedience as they would make war with mankind. Tis said they ate each They did so, aye, they did eat each other, to the amazement of mine eyes. I looked upon it. Oh, here comes good Macduff. Hello. Mr. Macduff. How goes the world, sir, now? Why, see you not? Oh, is it known who did this more than bloody deed? Those that Macbeth hath slain. Oh, alas, the day. What good could they pretend? They were suborned. Malcolm and Donalbane, the king's two sons, are stolen away and fled, which puts upon them suspicion of the deed. No. Gainst nature, still! Threftless ambition that will raven up thine own life's means! <laughs> and tis most like the sovereignty will fall upon Macbeth, then, huh? He is already named, and oh. gone to Schoon to be invested. Oh. Where is Duncan's body? Carried to Colmkill the sacred storehouse of his predecessors and guardian to their bones. Uh, will you to scone? No, cousin. I'll to Fife. Oh, well, I will thither. Well, may you see things well done there. Adieu. Lest our old robes sit easier than our new. Uh, farewell, father. Uh, may God's blessings go with you, and with all who turn bad into good. 
and enemies into friends. Yeah, right. Exit. Act three, scene one, forest, the palace, enter Banquo. Thou hast it now, king, cador, glamis, all as the weird women promised. And I fear thou playedst most foully for it. Yet it was said it should not stand in thy posterity, but that myself should be the root and mother of many kings. If there come truth from them, as upon thee, Macbeth, their speeches shine. Why, by the verities on thee made good, may they not be my oracle as well? And Set me up in hope, but hush, no more. Senate sounded. Enter Macbeth as king, Lady Macbeth as queen, Lennox Ross, lords, ladies, and attendants. Here's our chief guest. Maybe not. Anne. (laughs) If he had been forgotten, it had been as a gap in our great feast and all thing unbecoming. Tonight we hold a solemn supper, sir, and I'll request your presence. Let your highness command upon me, to the which my duties are with a most indissoluble tie forever knit. Ride you this afternoon. Aye, my good lord. We should have else desired your good advice, which still hath been both grave and prosperous in this day's council. But we'll make it tomorrow. Is far your ride? As far, my lord as will fill up the time twixt this and supper. Go not my horse the better, I must become a borrower of the night for a dark hour, Twain. Fail not our feast. My lord, I would not. We here, our bloody cousins, are bestowed in England and in Ireland, not confessing their cruel parricide, filling their hearers with strange invention, but of that tomorrow, when with therewithal, we shall have cause of state craving us jointly. Hie you to your horse, adieu. To return at night. Goes Fleens with you? Aye, my good lord. Our time does call upon us. I wish your horse swift and sure of foot, and so I do commend you to the backs. Farewell. Exit Banquo. Let every man be master of his time, till seven at night, to make society the sweeter welcome. We'll keep ourselves till supper time alone. While then, God be with you. Exit all but Macbeth and an attendant. Sir, I'll work with you. Attend those men our pleasure. They are, my lord, without the palace gate. Bring them before us. Exit attendant. To be thus is nothing, but to be safely thus. Our fears in Banquo stick deep, and in his royalty of nature reigns that which would be feared. Tis much he dares, and to that dauntless temper of his mind he hath a wisdom that doth guide his valour to act in safety. There is none but he whose being I do fear, and under him my genius is rebuked, as it is said Mark Antony's was by Caesar. He chide the sisters when first they put the name of king upon me, and bade them speak to me. Then, prophet-like, they hailed him father to a line of kings. Upon my head they placed a fruitless crown, and put a barren scepter in my gripe. Thence to be wrenched with an unilineal hand, no son of mine succeeding. If be so, 
For Banquo's issues have I filed my mind. For them, the gracious Duncan have I murdered. Put rancors in the vessel of my peace only for them. In mine eternal jewel given to the common enemy of man, to make them kings, the seed of Banquo kings. Rather than so, come fate into the list and champion me to the utterance. Who's there? We enter attendant with two murderers. Now go to the door and stay there till we call. Exit attendant. Was it not yesterday we spoke together? It was so, please, your honest. Well then, now, have you considered my speeches? Know that it was he in the times past which held you to such, so under fortune which you thought had been our innocent self. This I made good to you in our last conference, passed in probation with you, how you were born in hand, how crossed the instruments, who wrought with them and all things else that might to half a soul into a notion craze say, thus did Banquo. You made it known to us. I did so, and went further, which is now our point of second meeting. Do you find your patience so predominant in your nature that you can let this go? Are you so gospel to pray for this good man and for his issue, whose heavy hand hath bowed you to the grave and beggared yours forever? We are men, Marlies. Aye, in the catalogue ye go for men, as hounds and greyhounds, mongrels, spaniels, curs, shows, broader rugs, and demi-wolves are clept all by the name of dogs. The valued file distinguishes the swift, the slow, the subtle, the housekeeper, the hunter, every one according to the gift which bounteous nature hath in him closed, whereby he doth re does receive particular addition from the bill that writes them all alike, and so of men. Now, if you have a station in the file, not I the worst rank of manhood, say it, and I will put that business in your bosoms, whose execution takes your enemy off, grapples you to the heart and love of us, who wear our health with sickly in his life, which in his death were perfect. I am one, my liege, whom the vile blows and buffets of the world have so incensed that I am reckless what I do to spite the world. And I another, so weary with disasters, tugged with fortune that I would set my lie on any chance to mend it or be rid on it. Both of you know Banquo was her enemy. True. True, my lord. So is he mine. And in such bloody distance that every minute of his being thrusts against my nearest of life. And though I could with barefaced power sweep him from my sight and bid my will avouch it, yet I must not. For certain friends that are both his and mine, whose loves I may not drop, but wail his fall, who I myself struck down. And thence it is that I to your assistance do make love, masking the business from the common eye for sundry weighty reasons. We shall, my lord. Perform what you command us. Though our lives. Your spirits shine through you. Within this hour at most, I will advise you where to plant yourselves. Acquaint you with the perfect spy of the time. The moment, aunt. For it must be done tonight. And something from the palace. Always thought that I require clearness and with him to leave no rubs nor botches in the work. Fleance's son. That keeps him company whose absence is no less material to me than is his father's, must embrace the fate of the dark hour. Resolve yourselves upon. I'll come to you anon. We are, we are resolved, resolved, my lord. My lord. I'll call, upon, I'll call upon you straight. Abide within. 
Exempt murderers. It is concluded. Banquo thy soul's flight, if it find heaven. Must find it out tonight. Exit. Scene two, the palace. Enter Lady Macbeth and his servant. Is Banquo gone from court? Aye, uh, madam, but returns again tonight. <sighs> Say to the king I would attend his leisure for a few words. Uh, madam, I will. Exit. <sighs> Not sad, all spent. Where our desire is got without content. It is safer to be that which we destroy than by destruction dwell in doubtful joy. Enter Macbeth. How now, my lord? Why do you keep alone of sorriest fancies your companions making, using those thoughts which should indeed have died with them they think on? Things without all remedy should be without regard. What's done? is done. We have scotched the snake, not killed it. She'll close and be herself whilst our poor malice remains in danger of her former tooth. But let the frame of things destroy both the world suffer, ere we will eat our meal in fear and sleep in the affliction of these terrible dreams that shake us nightly. Better be with the dead, whom we to gain our peace have sent to peace, than on the torture of the mind to lie in restless ecstasy. Duncan is in his grave. After life's fitful fever, he sleeps well. Treason has done his worst. Nor steel, nor poison, malice domestic, foreign levy, nothing can touch him further. Come on. Gentle, my lord. Sleek o'er your rugged looks. Be bright and jovial among your guests tonight. So shall I, love. And so I pray be you. Let your remembrance apply to Banquo. Present him eminence, both with eye and tongue, unsafe the while that we must have lave our honors in these flattering streams, and make our faces visits to our hearts, disguising what they are. You must leave this. Oh, full of scorpions is my mind, dear wife. Thou know'st that Banquo and its fleance lives. But in them nature's copies not in turn. There's comfort, yet they are saleable. Then be thou jocund, Ere the bat hath flown his cloistered flight, ere to black Hecate's summons, the shard-born beetle with his drowsy hums hath rung night's yawning peal, there shall be done a deed of dreadful note. What's to be done? The innocent of the knowledge, dearest Chuck, till thou applaud the deed. Come, sealing night, scarf up the tender eye of pitiful day, and with thy bloody and invisible hand cancel and tear to pieces that great bond which keeps me pale. Light thickens and the crow makes wing to the rookie wood good things of day begin to droop and drowse whilst night's black agents to their praise do rouse thou marvels at my words but hold me still things bad begun make strong themselves by ill so prithee go with me exempt scene three a park near the palace enter three murderers but who did bid thee join us macbeth he needs not our distrust, since he delivers our offices and what we have to do to the direction just. Then stand with us. The west yet glimmers with some streaks a day. Now spurs the lighted traveller apace to gain the timely inn and near approaches the subject of our watch. Hark! 
I hear horses. Give us a light there. Ho! And tis he. The rest that are within the note of expectation already are in the court. His horses go about. Almost a mile, but he does usually. So all men do from hence to the palace gate make it their walk. A light, a light. Enter Banquo and Fleance with the torch. Tis he. Stand to it. It will be rain tonight. Let it come down. They set upon Banquo. Oh, treachery. Fly, good Fleance. Fly, fly, fly. Thou mayest revenge. Oh, slave. Dies. Fleance escapes. Who did strike out the light? Was it not the way? There's but one down. The sun is fled. We have lost best half of our affair. Well, let's away and say how much is done. Exunt. Scene four, the same hall in the palace, a banquet prepared. Enter Macbeth, Lady Macbeth, Ross, Lennox, lords and attendants. You know your own degrees. Sit down. At first and last, the hearty welcome. Thanks to your majesty. Ourself will mingle with society and play the humble host. Our hostess keeps us keeps her state, but in best time we'll require her welcome. Pronounce it for me, sir, to all our friends, for my heart speaks they are welcome. First murderer appears at the door. See, they encounter thee with their hearts, thanks. Both sides are even, here I'll sit in the midst. Be large in mirth, anon we'll drink a measure of the table round. Approaching the door. There's blood on thy face. Tis Banquo's then. Tis better thee without than he within. Is he dispatched? My lord, his throat is cut that I did for him. Thou art the best of the cutthroats. Yet he's good that did the likes of Fleance. If thou didst it, thou art the non-peril. Most royal, sir. Fleance has escaped. It comes my fit again. Had else been perfect, whole as the marble, founded as the rock, as broad in general as the casing air. But now I am cabined, cribbed, confined, bound in to saucy doubts and fears. But Banquo's safe. Aye, my good lord. Safe in a ditch he bides, with twenty trenched gashes on his head, the least a death to nurture. Thanks for that. There the, gro- the grown serpent lies, the worms that's fled, hath nature that in time will venom breed, no teeth for the present. Get thee gone. Tomorrow we'll hear ourselves again. Exit murderer. My royal lord, you do not give the cheer. The feast is sold that it is not often vouched, while tis a making, tis given with welcome. To feed were best at home, from thence the sauce to eat is ceremony. Meeting were bare without it. Sweet remembrance. Now, good digestion, wait on appetite, and health on both. Lennox. I'm here, I'm sorry. Uh, here is a place for another Maradon over there. May it please your highness sit, Mo. Oh, damn it. May it please your Oh, yeah, sorry. May it please your highness sit. The ghost of Banquo enters and sits in Macbeth's place. 
here had we now our countries honor roofed. Were the graced purse of our bank were present, who may I rather challenge for unkindness than pity for mischance? Oh, his absence, sir, lays blame upon his promise. Why is it your highness to grace us with your royal company, eh? The table's full. Here is a place reserved, sir. Where? Here, my good lord. W what is it that moves your highness? Which of you have done this? What, what, good lord? My good lord. Thou canst not say I did it. Never shake that gory locks at me. Hey, gentlemen, rise. His highness is not well. It! Worthy friends, my lord is often thus, and hath been from his youth. Pray you, keep seat. The fit is momentary. Upon a thought he will be well again. If much you note him, you shall offend him and extend his passion. Feed and regard him not. Are you a man? I am the bold one that dare look on that which might a poor devil. Oh, proper stuff. This is the very painting of your fear. This is the air-drawn dagger which you said led you to Duncan. Oh, these flaws and starts and postures to true fear would well become a woman's story and a winter's fire authorized by her grandam. Shame itself. Why do you make such faces? When all's done, you look but on a stool. Pretty see you there. Behold, look low. How say you? Why, what care I if thou canst not speak to? The charnel houses in our graves must send those that we bury back. Our monuments shall be the maws of kites. Ghost of Banquo vanishes. What, quite unmanned in folly. I stand here, I saw him. Fie for shame. Blood hath been shed here now. I, the olden time, and human statue, purge the gentle wheel. Aye, and since two murders have been performed, too terrible for the ear, the times have been that when the brains are out, the men would die, and there an end. But now they rise again with twenty more murders on their crowns and push us from our stools. This is more strange than such a murder is. My worthy lord, your noble friends do lack you. I do forget. Do not muse at me, my... My most worthy friends, I have a strange infirmity, which is nothing to those that know me. Come, uh, love and health to all, then I'll sit down. <laughs> Give me some wine. Fill full. I, I drink to the general joy of the whole table, and to our dear friend Banquo, whom we miss. Would he were here, to all and him we thirst, and all to all. Our duties and the pledge. Re-enter Ghost of Banquo. Hunt and quit my sight. Let the earth hide thee. Thy bones are marrowless. Thy blood is cold. Thou hast no speculation in those eyes which thou dost glare with. Think of this, good peers, but, but as a thing of custom, tis no other. Only it spoils the pleasure of the time. What man dare I dare? Approach thou like the rugged Russian bear, the armed rhinoceros, or the American tiger. Take any shape but that, and my firm nerves shall never tremble, or be alive again. And dare me to the dearest with thy sword, if trembling I inhabit then, protest me the baby of a girl. 
Hence horrible shadow and real mockery. Hence! Goes to Vancouver. I am a man again. Pray you sit still. You have displaced the mirth, broke the good meeting with most admired disorder. Can such things be and overcome us like a summer's cold cloud without our special wonder? You make me strange even to the disposition that I owe. When now I think you can behold such sights and keep the natural ruby of your cheeks when mine is blanched with fear. What sights, my lord? I pray you, speak not. He, gr- he grows worse and worse. Question en- enrages him at once. Good night. Stand not upon the order of your going, but go at once. Good night. And better health attend his majesty. A kind good night to all. It'll have blood. Sorry, exempt Albert Macbeth and Lady. It will have blood, they say. Blood will have blood. Stones have been known to move in trees to speak. Augurs and understood relations have by maggot pies and coughs and brooks brought forth the secret man of blood. What is the night? Almost at odds with morning. Which is which? How sayest thou that Macduff denies his person at our great bidding? Did you send to him, sir? I hear it by the way, but I will send. There's not a one of them but in his house. I keep a servant feed. I will tomorrow, and betimes I will, to the weird sisters. More shall they speak, for now I am bent to know by the worst means the worst. Put mine own good. All causes shall give way. I am in blood, stepped in so far that should I wait no more, returning words as tedious as go o'er. Strange things I have in head that will to hand, which must be acted ere they may be scanned. You lack the season of all natures. Sleep. Come, will to sleep. My strange and self-abuse is the initiate fear, initiate fear that wants hard use. We are yet but young indeed. Exent. Scene five, a heath, thunder, enter the three witches, meeting Hecate. Why, how now, Hecate? You look angrily. Have I not reason? Bedlams as you are, saucy and overbold. How did you dare to trade and traffic with Macbeth in riddles and affairs of death? And I, the mistress of your charms, the close contriver of all harms, was never called to bear my part or show the glory of our art. And which is worse, all you have done hath been but for a wayward son, spiteful and wrathful, who, as others do, loves for his own ends, not for you. But make amends now. Get you gone. And at the pit of Acheron meet me in the morning. Thither he will come to know his destiny. Your vessels and your spells provide, your charms and everything betide. I am for the air. This night I'll spend unto a dismal and a fatal end. Great business must be wrought ere noon. Upon the corner of the moon there hangs a vaporous drop profound. I'll catch it ere it come to ground. And that, distilled by magic slights, shall raise such artificial sprites as by the strength of their illusion shall draw him on to his confusion. He shall spurn fate, scorn death, 
and bear he hopes above wisdom, grace, and fear. And you all know, security is mortal's chiefest enemy. Music and a song within. Come away, come away, come away. Hark, I am called. My little spirit, see, sits in a foggy cloud and stays for me. Exit. Come, let's make haste. She'll soon be back again. Exit. Scene six, forest, the palace, enter Lennox and another lord. My former speeches have but hit your thoughts, which can interpret further. Only I say, things have been strangely born. The gracious Duncan was pitied of Macbeth. Mary, he was dead. And the right valiant Banquo walked too late, whom you may say, if it please you, Fleance killed, for Fleance fled. Men must not walk too late. Who cannot want the thought how monstrous it was for Malcolm and for Donalbane to kill their gracious father? The damned fact, how it did grieve Macbeth. Did he not strike in pious rage the two delinquents tear that were the slaves of drink and thralls of sleep? Was not that nobly done? Aye, and wisely too, for twould have angered any heart alive to hear the men deny it. So that, I say, he has borne all things well. And I do think that he, uh, that had he Duncan's sons under his key, as, and please heaven, he shall not, they should find what twere to kill a father. And so should Fleance. But peace, for from broad words and cause he failed his presence at the tyrant's feast. I hear Macduff lives in disgrace. Sir, can you tell where he bestows himself? The son of Duncan, from whom this tyrant holds the due of birth, lives in the English court and is received of the most pious Edward with such grace that the malevolence of fortune nothing takes from his high respect. Thither Macduff is gone to pray the holy king upon his aid to wake Northumberland and more like Seward. That, by the help of these, with him above to ratify the work, we may again give to our tables meat, sleep to our nights, free from our feasts and banquets bloody knives, do faithful homage and receive free honors, all which we pine for now. And this report hath so exasperate the king that he prepares for some attempt of war. Sent he to Macduff? He did. And with an absolute, sir, not I, the cloudy messenger turns me his back and hums as who should say, you'll rue the time that clogs me with this answer. And that, what, that well might advise him to a caution to hold what distance his wisdom can provide. Some holy angel fly to the court of England and unfold his message ere he come, that a swift blessing may soon return to this our suffering country under a hand accursed. I'll send my prayers with him. Exunt. Act four, scene one, a cavern in the middle, a boiling cauldron. Thrice the brinded cat hath mewed. Thrice, and once the hedge pig, hedge pig whined. Harpier cries, tis time, tis time. Round about the cauldron go, in the poisoned entrails throw. Toad, that under cold stone days and nights has thirty-one sweltered venom sleeping got, boiled out first in the charmed pot. Double, double, double toil and trouble. Fire, 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 fire,
fillet of a fenny snake in the cauldron boil and bake. Eye of newt into a frog, wool of bat and tongue of dog, adder's fork and blind worm's sting, lizard's leg and howlet's wing. For a charm of powerful trouble, like a hell broth boil and bubble. Scale of dragon, tooth of wolf, which is mummy mind, gulf of the ravened salt sea shark, root of hemlock digged in the dark. Gall of gold and slips of you slivered in the moon's eclipse. Nose of Turk and Tartar's lips, finger of a birth strangled babe, ditch delivered by a drab. Make the gruel thick and slab, and there too a tiger's children for the ingredients of our cauldron. Double, double, toil and trouble, fire, burn, and cauldron bubble. Cool it with a baboon's blood, then the charm is firm and good. Enter Hecate to the other witches. Oh, well done. I commend your pains, and everyone shall share in the games. And now, about the cauldron, sing like elves and fairies in a ring, enchanting all that you put in. Music and a song, Hecate retires. By the pricking of my thumb, something wicked this way comes. Open locks, whoever knocks. Enter Macbeth. How now, you secret black and midnight hags? What is you do? A deed without a name. I conjure you by that which you profess. How are you come to know it? Answer me. Though you untie the winds and let them fight against the churches, though the yeasty waves confound and swallow navigation up, though black-bladed corn be lodged and trees blown down, Though castles topple on their warders' heads, though palaces and pyramids do slope their heads to their foundations, though the treasure of nature's Germans tumble altogether, even till destruction sicken, answer me to what I ask you. Speak. Demand. Will answer. Say if thou'dst rather hear it from our mouths or from our masters. Call him. Let me see him. Pour in sow's blood that hath eaten her nine pharaoh, grease that sweaten from the murderer's gibbet throw into the flame. Come, come high or low, thyself and, and office show. Thunder, first apparition and armed head. Tell me, thou unknown power. He knows thy thought. Hear his speech, but say thou not. Macbeth, Macbeth, Macbeth. Beware, Macduff. Beware the fane of Fife. Dismiss me. Enough. Descends. Whatever thou art for thy good caution, thanks. Thou hast harped my fear all right. But one more, one word more. He will not be commanded. Here's another. 
more potent than the first. Thunder, second apparition, a bloody child. Macbeth, Macbeth, Macbeth. Had I three ears, I'd hear thee. Be bloody, bold, and resolute. Laugh to scorn the power of man, for none of woman born shall harm Macbeth. Descends. Live Macduff. What need I fear of thee? But yet I'll make assurance double sure and take a bond of fate. Thou shalt not live that I may tell pale-hearted fear it lies and sleep in spite of thunder. Thunder, third apparition, a child crowned with a tree in his hand. What is this that rises like the issue of a king and wears upon his baby brow the round and top of sovereignty? Speak. Or listen, but speak not to it. Be lion metalled proud and take no care. That's my line. I'm the third apparition. You're the third witch. I am so sorry. Yeah, you speak, will be. my child. Be lion metalled proud and take no care. Who takes? Who frets? Or where conspires My breath shall never vanquished be until great Burnham Wood to high Dunsinane shall come against him. Descends. That will never be. Who can impress the forest, bid the tree unfix this earthbound root? Sweet bottom, it's good. Rebellion's head rise never till the wood of Burnham rise. In our high-placed Macbeth shall live the lease of nature, pay his breath to time and mortal custom. Yet my heart throbs to know one thing. Tell me, if your art can tell so much, shall Banquo's issue ever reign in this kingdom? See you no, no, no more. I will be satisfied, deny me this. An eternal curse fall upon you. Let me know. Why sinks that cauldron and what noise is this? Show. 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 Show, Show his, his eyes and, and greet his, his heart. heart. Come, Come like shadows, shadows so depart. A show of eight kings, the last of the glass in his hand, ghost of Banquo following. Thou art too like the spirit of Banquo. Down! Thy crown does sear mine eyeballs, and thy hair, thou other gold-bound brow, is like the first. A third is like the former. Filthy hags! Why do you show me this? A fourth, start eyes. What will the line stretch out to the crack of doom? Another yet. Seven. I'll see no more, and yet the eighth appears. Who bears a glass but shows me many more. And some I see that twofold balls and tremble scepters carry. Horrible sight. Now I see tis true. For the blood bolter. Banquo smiles upon me and points at them for his. Apparitions vanish. What, is this so? Aye, sir. All this is so. 
But why stands Macbeth thus amazedly? Come, sisters, cheer we up his sprites and show the best of our delights. I'll charm the air to give a sound while you perform your antic round that this great king may kindly say our duties did his welcome pay. (laughs) (laughs) The witches dance and vanish with Hecate. Where are they? Gone. Let this pernicious hour stand I accursed in the calendar. Come in without there. Enter Lennox. What's your grace's will? Saw you the weird sisters. No, my lord. Came they not by you? No, indeed, my lord. Infected be the air when they ride, and damned all those that trust them. I did hear the galloping of a horse. Who was came by? Tis two or three, my lord, that brings you word. Macduff has fled to England. Fled to England? Aye, my good lord. Time, thou anticipatest my dread exploits. The flighty purpose never is overtook, unless the deed go with it. From this moment, the very firstlings of my heart shall be the firstlings of my hand. And even now, to crown my thought with axe, be it thought and done, the castle of Macduff I will surprise. Seize upon Fife, give to the edge of the sword his wife, his babes, and all unfortunate souls that trace him in his line. No boasting like a fool. This deed I'll do before this purpose cool. But no more sights. Where are these gentlemen? Come, bring me where they are. Exunt. Scene two, Fife, Macduff's castle, and her Lady Macduff, her son, and Ross. What had he done to make him fly the land? Uh, well, you must what? have patience, madam. He had none. His flight was madness. When our actions do not, our fears do make us traitors. You know not whether it was his wisdom or his fear. Wisdom. To leave his wife, to leave his babes, his mansions and his titles in a place from whence himself does fly. He loves us not. He wants the natural touch. For the poor wren, the most diminutive of birds, will fight her young ones in her nest, against the owl. All is the fear, and nothing is the love. As little is the wisdom where the flight so runs against all reason. My dearest cause, I pray you, school yourself, but for your husband. He is noble. wise, judicious, and best knows the fits of the season. I dare not speak much further, but... Cruel are the times when we are traitors and do not know ourselves. When we hold rumour from what we fear, it know not what we fear, but float upon a wild and violent sea, each way and more. I take my leave of you. I shall not be long, but I'll be here again. Things at the worst will cease, or else climb upward to what they were before. My pretty cousin... Blessings upon you. Fathered he is, and yet he's fatherless. Oh, I'm so much a fool. Should I stay longer? It would be my disgrace and your discomfort. I'll take my leave at once. Oh, Sarah, your father's dead. And what will you do now? How will you live? As birds do, mother. 
what? With worms and flies. With what I get, I mean. And so do they. <laughs> Poor bird. That's never fear the net, nor lime, the pitfall, nor the gin. <laughs> Why should I, mother? Poor birds they are not set for. My, my father is not dead, for all you're saying. Yet he is dead. How wilt thou do for a father? Nay, how will you do for a husband? <laughs> Why, I can buy me twenty at any market. Then you'll buy them to sell again. Thou speak'st with all thy wit, and yet if faith with wit enough for thee. <laughs> was my father a traitor, mother? Aye, that he was. What is a traitor? Why, one that swears and lies. And be all traitors that do so? Every one that does so is a traitor and must be hanged. And must they all be hanged that swear and lie? Every one. Who must hang them? Why, the honest men. Then the liars and swearers are fools, for there are liars and swearers in now to beat the honest men and hang up them. Oh, now, God help thee, poor monkey. Oh, but how wilt thou do for a father? If he were dead, you'd weep for him. If you would not, it were a good sign that I should quickly have a new father. <laughs> poor Prattler, how thou talkst. Enter a messenger. Bless you, fair dame. I am not to you known, though in your state of honor I am perfect. I doubt some danger does approach you nearly. If you will take a homely man's advice, be not found here. Hence, with your little ones. To fright you thus, methinks, I am too savage. To do worse to you were fell cruelty, which is too nigh your person. Heaven preserve you. I dare abide no longer. Exit. Well, whither should I fly? I have done no harm. But I remember now I am in this earthly world where... To do harm is often laudable. To do good sometime accounted dangerous folly. Why then, alas, do I put up that womanly defense to say that I have done no harm? Enter murderers. What are these faces? Where is your husband? I hope in no place so unsanctified where such as thou mayst find him. Mm. He's a traitor. Thou liest, thou shag-haired villain! You egg! Dabbing him. <sighs> Young fry of treachery. He has killed me, mother! Run away! I pray you! Exit Lady Macduff crying murder. Exit murder, murder. following her. <laughs> Scene three, England before the king's palace enter Malcolm and Macduff. Let us seek out some desolate shade and there weep our sad bosoms empty. Let us rather hold fast the mortal sword and like good men bestride, be, yes, bestride our downfallen birthdom. Each new mourn, new widows howl, 
New orphans cry, new sorrows strike heaven on the face that it resounds as if it felt with Scotland and yelled out like syllable of dolor. What I believe, I'll wail. What no, believe, and what I can redress. As I shall find the time to, friend, I will. What you have spoke, it may be so perchance. This tyrant, whose sole name blisters our tongues, was once thought honest. You have loved him well. He hath not touched you yet. I am young, but something you may discern of him through me, and wisdom to offer up a weak, poor, innocent lamb to appease an angry god. I am not treacherous. Macbeth is. A good and virtuous nature may recoil in an imperial charge, but I shall crave your pardon. That which you are, my thoughts cannot transpose. Angels are bright still, though the brightest fell. Though all things foul would wear the brows of grace, yet grace must look, still look so. I have lost my hopes. Perchance even there where I find my doubts. Why in that rawness left your you wife and child, those precious motives, those strong knots of love without leave-taking? I pray you, let not my jealousies be your dishonors, but mine own safeties. You may be rightly just, whatever I shall think. Bleed, bleed, poor country. Great tyranny, lay thou thy basis sure, for goodness dare not check thee. Wear thou thy wrongs, the title is a feared. Fare thee well, Lord. I would not be the villain that thou thinkst, for the whole space that's in the tyrant's grasp and the rich east to boot. Be not offended. I speak not as in absolute fear of you. I think our country sinks beneath the yoke. It weeps, it bleeds, and each new day a gash is added to her wounds. I think with all there would be hands uplifted in my right, and here from gracious England have I offer of goodly thousands. But for all this, when I shall tread upon the tyrant's head, or wear it on my sword, yet my poor country shall have more vices than it had before, more suffer, and more sundry ways than ever, by him that shall succeed. What should he be? It is myself, I mean, in whom I know all the particulars of vice so grafted that when they are when they shall be opened, black Macbeth will seem as pure as snow, as the poor state esteem him as a lamb being compared with the confineless arms. Not in the legions of horrid hell can come a devil more damned than evils to top Macbeth. I grant him bloody, luxurious, avaricious, false, deceitful, sudden, malicious, smacking of every sin that hath a name. But there's no bottom, none, in my voluptuousness. Your wives, your daughters, your matrons, and your maids could not fill up the cistern of my lust. And my desire, all continent impediments, would o'erbear that did oppose my will. Better Macbeth than such a one to reign. Boundless intemperance in nature is a tyranny. It has been the untimely emptying of the happy throne and fall of many kings. But fear not yet to take upon you what is yours. You may convey your pleasures in a spacious plenty and yet seem cold, 
the time you may so hoodwink. We have willing dames enough. There cannot be that vulture in you to devour so many as will to greatness dedicate themselves, finding it so inclined. With this, there grows in my most ill-composed affection such a staunchless avarice that were I king, I should cut off the nobles of their lands. Desire his jewels, and this other's house, and my more having would be as a sauce to make me hunger more, that I should forge quarrels unjust against the good and loyal, destroying them for wealth. This avarice sticks deeper, grows with more pernicious root than summer seeming lust, and it hath seen the sword of our slain kings. Yet do not fear. Scotland hath foisons to fill up your will of your mere own. All these are portable with other graces, Wade. But I have none. The king becoming graces as justice, verity, temperance, stableness, bounty, perseverance, mercy, lowliness, devotion, patience, courage, fortitude. I have no relish for them, but abound in the division of each several crime, acting in many ways. Nay, had I power, I should pour the sweet milk of concord into hell, uproar the universal peace, confound all unity on earth. Oh, Scotland, Scotland! If such a one be fit to govern, speak. I am as I have spoken. Fit to govern? No, not to live. Oh, nation miserable, with an untitled tyrant, bloody sceptered, when shalt thou see thy wholesome days again, since that the truest issue of thy throne, by his own interdictions, stands accursed, and does blaspheme his breed? Thy royal father was a most sainted king. The queen that bore thee oftener upon her knees than on her feet died every day she lived. Fare thee well. These evils thou repeatst upon thyself have banished me from Scotland. Oh, my breast, thy hope ends here. Macduff, this noble passion, child of indignity, hath from my soul wiped the black scruples, reconciled my thoughts to be good truth and honor. Devilish Macbeth by many of these trains hath sought to win me into his power. And modest wisdom plucks me from over-credulous haste. But God above, deal between thee and me. For even now I put myself to thy direction, and unspeak mine own detraction. Here abjure the taints and blames I laid upon myself for strangers to my nature. I am yet unknown to woman, never was forsworn, scarcely have coveted that what was mine own. At no time broke my faith, would not betray the devil to his fellow, and delight no less in truth than life. My first false speaking was this upon myself. What I am truly is thine and my poor country's to command. Whither indeed, before thy here approach, old Seward, with ten thousand more like men, already at a point, was setting forth. Now we'll together and the chance of goodness be like our warranted quarrel. Why are you silent? Uh, such welcome and unwelcome things at once, it is hard to reconcile. Enter a well, doctor. Well, more anon. Comes the king forth, I pray you? Aye, sir. 
There are a crew of wretched souls that stay his cure. Their malady convinces the great assay of art. But at his touch, such sanctity hath heaven given his hand, they presently amend. I thank you, doctor. Exit what's, doctor. What's the disease he means? Tis called the evil. A most miraculous work in this good king, which often since my here remain in England, I have seen him do. How he solicits heaven, himself best knows, but strangely visited people, all swollen and ulcerous, pitiful to the eye, the mere despair of surgery he cures, hanging a golden stamp about their necks, put on with holy prayers, and tis spoken. To the succeeding royalty, he leaves the healing benediction. With this strange virtue, he hath a heavenly gift of prophecy, and sundry blessings hang about his throne that speak him full of grace. Enter Ross. See, who comes here? My countryman, yet I know him not. My ever-gentle cousin, welcome hither. I know him now. Good God betimes remove the means that makes us strangers. Sir, amen. Stands Scotland where it did? Alas, poor country. Almost afraid to know itself. It cannot be called our mother, but our grave. Where nothing but who knows nothing is once seen to smile. Where sighs and groans and shrieks that rend the air are made, not marked. Where violent sorrow seems a modern ecstasy. A dead men's knell is there scarce asked for who. And good men's lives expire before the flowers in their caps, dying or ere they're sicken. Oh, relation too nice and yet too true. What's the newest grief? That of an hour's age doth hiss the speaker. Each minute teems a new one. How does my wife? Why, well. And all my children? Well, too. The tyrant has not battered at their peace? No. They were well at peace when I did leave them. Be not a niggard of your speech. How ghost? When I came hither to transport the tidings, which I have heavily borne, there ran a rumour of many worthy fellows that were out, which was to my belief witnessed the rather for that I saw the tyrant's power afoot. Now is the time of help. Your eye in Scotland would create soldiers, make our women fight, to doff their dire distresses. Be it their comfort, we are coming thither. Gracious England hath lent us good seward, and ten thousand men, an older and a better soldier none than Christendom gives out. Would I could answer this comfort with the like, but I have words that would be howled out in the desert air, where hearing should not latch them. What concern they? The general cause, or is it a fee grief due to some single breast? No mind that's honest, but it it shares some woe, for the main part pertains to you alone. If it be mine, keep it not from me. Quickly, let me have it. Let not your ears despise my tongue forever, which shall possess them with the heaviest sound that ever yet they heard. Um, I guess at it. Your castle is surprised. Your wife and babes savagely slaughtered. To relate the matter, were on the quarry of these murdered deer to add the death of you. Mr. Merciful heaven. What man? 
ne'er pull your hat upon your brow. Give sorrow words. The grief that does not speak whispers the o'erfraught heart and bids it break. My children, too? Wife, children, servant soul, all that could be found. And I must be from thence? My wife killed, too. I have said. Be comforted. Let's make us medicines of our great revenge to cure this deadly grief. He has no children. All my pretty ones. Did you say all? Oh, hell kites, all. What? All my pretty chickens and their dam at one fell swoop. Dispute it like a man. I shall do so. But I must also feel it as a man. I cannot but remember such things were that were most precious to me. Did heaven look on and would not take their part? Sinful Macduff, they were all struck for thee, not that I am, not for their own demerits, but for mine fell slaughter on their souls. Heaven rest them now. Be this the whetstone of your sword. Let grief convert to anger, blunt not the heart, enrage it. Oh, I could play the woman with mine eyes and braggart with my tongue. But, gentle heavens, cut short all intermission. Front to front bring thou this fiend of Scotland and myself. Within my sword's length set him. If he scape, heaven forgive him too. This tune goes manly. Come, go. We to the king, our power is ready. Our lack is nothing but our leave. Macbeth is ripe for shaking, and the powers above put on their instruments. Receive what cheer you may. The night is long that never finds the day. Exit. Act 5, Scene 1, Dunsinane, anteroom in the castle, enter a doctor of physic and a waiting gentlewoman. I have two nights watched with you, but can perceive no truth in your report. When was it she last walked? Since his majesty went into the field, I have seen her rise from her bed, throw her nightgown upon her, unlock her closet, take forth paper, fold it, write upon it, read it, afterwards seal it, and again return to bed. Yet all this while in a most fast sleep. A great perturbation in nature to receive at once the benefit of sleep and do the effects of watching. In the slumbery agitation, besides her walking and other actual performances, what at any time have you heard her say? That, sir, which I will not report after her. You may to me, and is most meet you should. Neither to you nor to anyone, having no witness to confirm my speech. And her Lady Macbeth with the taper. Lo you, here she comes. This is her very guise, and upon my life, fast asleep. Observe her, stand close. How came she by that light? Why, it stood by her. She has light by her continually, tis her command. You see, her eyes are open. Aye, but their sense is shut. What is it she does now? Look how she rubs her hands. It is an... A custom action with her to seem thus washing her hands. I have known her con to continue in this quarter in a, of an hour. 
Yet here's the spot. Hark, she speaks. I will set down what comes from her to satisfy my remembrance more strongly. Ouch! Damn spot! Out, I say! One, two... Why, then, is this time to do it? Hell is murky. Why? Why, my lord, why? A soldier and feared! What need we fear, who knows it, when none can call our power to account? But who would have thought the old man to have had so much blood in him? Do you mark that? The thing of I had a wife. <laughs> Where is she now? What will these hands never be clean? No more of that, my lord. No more of that. You mar all with this starting. Go to, go to. You have known what you should not. She has spoke what she should not. I am sure of that. Heaven knows what she had known. Here's the smell of blood still. All the perfumes of Arabia will not sweeten this little hand. What a sigh is there. The heart is sorely charged. I would not have had such a heart in my bosom for the dignity of the whole body. Well, well, well. Pray God it be, sir. This disease is beyond my practice. Yet I have known those which have walked in their sleep, who have died holily in their beds. Wash your hands, put on your nightgown. Look not so pale. I tell you yet again, Mink was buried. He cannot come out on this grave. Even so? To bed. Too bad there's knocking at the gate. Come, 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 give me your hand. What's done cannot be undone. To bed, to bed, to bed. Exit. Will she now go to bed? Directly. Foul whisperings are abroad. Unnatural deeds do breed unnatural troubles. Infected minds to their deaf pillows will discharge their secrets. More needs she the divine than the physician. God, God forgive us all. Look after her. Remove her from the means of all annoyance and still keep eyes upon her. So, good night. My mind she has mated and amazed my sight. I think but dare not speak. Good night, good doctor. Exit. Scene two, the country near Dunsinane. Drum and colors. Enter Menteith, Caithness, Angus, Lennox, and soldiers. The English power is near, led on by Malcolm, his uncle Seward, and the good Macduff. Revenge is burning them, for their dear causes would to the bleeding and the grim alarm excite the mortified man. Near Burnham Wood shall we meet then. That way are they coming. Who knows if Donald Bain be with his brother? For certain, sir, he is not. I will have a file of all the gentry. There is Seward's son, and many unrough youths that even now protest their first of manhood. What does the tyrant? Great Dunsinane he strongly fortifies. Some say he's mad. Others that lesser hate him do call it valiant fury, but for certain, he cannot buckle his distempered cause within the belt of rule. 
Now does he feel his secret murders sticking on his hands. Now minutely revolts upbraid his faith breach. Those he commands move only in command, nothing in love. Now does he feel his title hang loose about him like a giant's robe upon a dwarfish thief. Who then shall blame his pestered senses to recoil and start when all that is within him does condemn itself for being there? Well, march we on. To give obedience where tis truly owed, meet we the medicine of the sickly wheel, and with him pour we in our country's purge each drop of us. For so much as it needs to do the sovereign flower and drown the weeds, make we our march towards Barnum. Exit marching. Scene three, Dunsinane, in a room in the castle. Enter Macbeth, doctor, and attendants. Bring me no more reports. Let them fly all. Till Burnham Wood removed Dunsinane, I cannot taint with fear. What's the boy, Malcolm? Was he not born of woman? The spirits that know all mortal consequences have pronounced me thus. Fear not, Macbeth. No man that's born of woman shall e'er have power upon thee. Then fly, false thanes, and mingle with the English epicures. The mind I sway by and the heart I bear shall never sag with doubt nor shake with fear. Enter a servant. The devil, the devil damn thee black, thou cream-faced loon. Where goest thou that goose look? Uh, there is ten thousand. Uh, Villain! God's altar, sir! Go prick thy face and overread thy fear. Thou lily-livered boy, what soldiers patch? Death of thy soul. Those linen creeks of thine are counselors to fear. What soldiers wayface? The English force, so please you. Take thy face hence. Exit servant. Satan! Satan! I am sick at heart. When I behold, Satan, I say, this push will cheer me ever, or deceit me now. I have lived long enough. My way of life has fallen into the seer, the yellow leaf, and that which should accompany my old age. His honor, love, obedience, troops of friends, I must not look to have. But in their stead, curses, not loud but deep, mouth-honored breath, which the poor heart should, would fain deny and dare not. Satan! Enter Satan. What's your gracious pleasure? What news more? All is confirmed, my lord, which was reported. Fight till from my hot bones my flesh be hacked. Give me my armor. Which is not needed yet. I'll put it on. Send out more horses, scur the country round. Hang those that talk of fear. Give me mine armor. How does your patient, doctor? Not so sick, my lord, as she is troubled with thick coming fancies that keep her from her rest. Cure her of that. Canst thou not minister to a mind diseased? Pluck from the memory a rooted sorrow, raise out the written troubles of the brain, and with some sweet oblivious antidote, cleanse the stuffed bosom of that perilous stuff, which weighs upon the heart. Therein the patient must minister to himself. Throw psychic to the dogs, I'll none of it. Come, put mine armor on, give me my staff. Satan, send out. Doctor, the things fly from me. Come, sir, dispatch. 
Thou couldst, doctor, cast the water of my land, find her disease, and purge it to a sound and pristine health. I would applaud thee to the very echo that should applaud again. Pull it off, I say. What rhubarb, chyme, or what purgative drug would scour these English hens? Here's thou of them. Aye, my good lord. Your royal preparation makes us hear something. Bring it after me. I will not be afraid of death and bane till Durnham Forest come to Dunsinane. Were I from Dunsinane away and clear, Prophet again should hardly draw me here. Exit. Scene four, country near Burnham Wood, Drummond Color, enter Malcolm Seward and Young Seward, Macduff, Munteith, Caithness, Angus, Lennox, Lennox, Ross, and soldiers marching. Cousins, I hope the days are near at hand that chambers will be safe. Oh, we doubt it nothing. What wood is this before us? Uh, the wood of Burnham. Let every soldier hew him down a bow and bear it before him. Thereby shall we shadow the numbers of our host and make discovery ere in report of us. It shall be done. We learn no other, but the confident tyrant keeps still in dunsening and will endure our setting down before it. Tis his main hope. For where this is advantage to be given, both more and less have given him to the, the revolt. And none serve with him but constrained things whose hearts are absent too. Let our just censures attend the true event and put we on industrious soldiership. The time approaches that will with due decision make us know what we shall say we have and what we owe. Thought speculative, their unsure hopes relate, but certain issues Stokes must arbitrate. Towards which advance the war? Exit marching. Scene five, Dunsinane within the castle. Enter Macbeth, Satan, and soldiers with drums and colors. Hang out our banners on the outward walls. The cry is still, they come. Our castle's strength will laugh the siege to scorn. Here, let them lie till famine and the og ate them up. Were they not forced with those that should be ours, we might have met them dareful, beard to beard, and beat them backward home. A cry of women within. What is that noise? It's the cry of women, my lord. Exit. They have almost forgot the taste of fears. The time has been my sense would have cooled to hear a, to hear a night shriek. And my fell of hair would at a dismal treatise rouse and stir as life were in it. I have supped full with horrors. Direness, familiar to my slaughterhouse thoughts, cannot once start me. Re-enter Satan. Wherefore was that cry? Queen, my lord, is dead. She should have died hereafter. There would have been a time for such a word. Tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow. Creeps in this petty pace from day to day. To the last syllable of recorded time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Out. Out, brief candle. Life's but a walking shadow. A poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard of no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. To a messenger. 
Now comes to use thy tongue, thy story quickly. Gracious my lord, I should report that which I say I saw, but I know not how to do it. Well, say, sir. As I did stand my watch upon the hill, I looked toward Burnham, and anon methought the wood began to move. Lord slave! Let me endure your wrath, if it be not so. Within this three mile, may you see it coming. I say, a moving grove. If thou speakst false, upon the next tree shalt thou hang alive, till famine cling thee. If thy speech be soothed, I care not if thou dost for me as much. I pull in resolution and begin to doubt the equivocation of the fiend that lies like truth. Fear not till Burnham Wood do come to Dunsinane. And now a wood comes towards Dunsinane. Arm, arm and out! If this which he avouches thus appear, there is no flying hence, no tarrying here. I gin to be wary of the sun and wish this state of the world were now undone. Ring the alarm bell! Blue wind, come rack! At least we'll die with harness on our back! Exent. Scene six, Dunsinane before the castle, Drummond Colors, enter Malcolm Seward, Dun- Macduff, and their army with bows. Now near enough, your levy screens throw down and show like those you are. You, uncle, worthy uncle, shall with my cousin, your right noble son, lead our first battle. Worthy Macduff and we shall take upon what else remains to do, according to our order. Fare you well. Do we but find the tyrant's power tonight? Let us be beaten if we cannot fight. Make all our trumpets speak. Give them all breath, those clamorous harbingers of blood and death. Exempt. Scene seven, another part of the field. Alarums enter Macbeth. They have tied me to a stake. I cannot fly, but bear-like I must fight the course. What's he that was not born of woman? Such a one am I to fear or none. Enter young Seward. What is thy name? Thou wilt be afraid to hear it. No, though thou callst thyself a hotter name than any is in hell. My name's Macbeth. The devil himself could not pronounce a title more hateful to mine ear. No, nor more fearful. Thou liest. Abhorred tyrant, with my sword, I'll prove the lie thou speak'st. They fight, and young Seward is slain. Thou wast born a woman, but swords I smile at, weapons laugh to scorn, brandished by man that's of a woman born. Exit. Alarms enter Macduff. That way the noise is. Tyrant, show thy face. If thou beest slain, and with no stroke of mine, my wife and children's ghost will haunt me still. I cannot strike at wretched kerns whose arms are hired to bear their staves. Either thou, Macbeth, or else my sword with an unbattered edge I sheathe again undeeded. There thou shouldst be, by this great clatter one of greatest note seems bruited. Let me find him, fortune, and more I beg not. Exit alarums, enter Malcolm and Seward. This way, my lord, the castle's gently rendered. The tyrant's people on both sides do fight. The noble thanes do bravely in the war. The day almost itself professes yours, and little is to do. We have met with foes that strike beside us. Enter, sir, the castle. Exit, alarums. Scene seven, another part of the field. Enter Macbeth. Why should I play the Roman fool and die on mine own sword? 
Whilst I see lives, the gashes do better upon them. Enter Macduff. Turn, hellhound. Turn. Of all men else, I have avoided thee. But get thee back. My soul is too much charged with blood of thine already. I have no words. My voice is in my sword. Thou bloodier villain than terms can give thee out. They fight. Thou, loose, thou losest labor. As easy mayst thou the enchant, interchant air with thy keen sword impress as make me bleed. Let fall thy blade on vulnerable crests. I bear a charmed life which must not yield to one of woman born. Despair thy charm, and let the angel whom thou still hast served tell thee, Macduff was from his mother's womb untimely ripped. Accursed be that tongue that tells me so, for it hath cowed my better part of man. And be these juggling fiends no more believed, that palter with us in a double sense, that keep the word of promise to our ear and break it to our hope. I'll not fight with thee. Then yield thee, coward, and live to be the show and gaze of the time. We'll have thee as our rarer monsters are, painted on a pole and underwrit. Here may you see the tyrant. I will not yield to kiss the ground before young Malcolm's feet, and to be baited with the rabble's curse. Though Burnham would be come to Dunsinane, and thou opposed, being of no woman born, yet I will try the last. Before my body I throw my warlike shield. Lay on, Macduff, and damn be him that first cries, hold enough. Exit fighting, alarms. Retreat, flourish, enter with Dremen colors, Malcolm, Seward, Ross, the other thanes, and soldiers. I would the friends we miss were safe arrived. Some must go off, and yet by these I see so great a day as this is cheaply bought. Macduff is missing, and your noble son. Your son, my lord, has paid a soldier's debt. He only lived but till he was a man, the which no sooner had his prowess confirmed, in the unshrinking station where he fought, but like a man he died. Then he is dead. Aye, and brought off the field. Your cause of sorrow must not be measured by his worth, for then it hath no end. Had he his hurts before? Aye, on the front. Why then, God's soldier be he. Had I as many sons as I have heirs, I would not wish them to a fairer death. And so, his knell is nulled. He's worth more sorrow, and that I'll spend on him. He's worth no more. They say he parted well and paid his score, and so, God be with him. Here comes newer comfort. Re-enter Macduff with Macbeth's head. Hail, king, for so thou art. Behold where stands the usurper's cursed head. The time is free. I see thee compassed with thy kingdom's pearl that speak my salutation in their minds whose voices I desire aloud with mine. Hail, king of Scotland. Hail, king of Scotland. Hail, King of Scotland! Hail, King of Scotland! We shall not spend a large expense of time before we reckon with your several loves and make us even with you. My thanes and kinsmen, henceforth be earls, the first that ever Scotland in such an honor named. What's more to do? 
which would be planted newly with the time as calling home our exiled friends abroad that fled the snares of watchful tyranny, producing forth the cruel ministers of this dead butcher and his fiend-like queen, who, as tis thought, by self and violent hands took off her life, this and what needful else that calls upon us. By the grace of grace, we will perform in measure, time, and place. So thanks to all at once and to each one whom we invite to see us crowned at Scone. Flourish, exunt. Um, so the end. So before <laughs> you all go, I just want to take a second. So the leading players in this one are the two of the co-owners of the Assembly Theater. So can we have, and they need some donations right now because everything. <laughs> down during Corona. So can we have one of the two of them or Melissa who's listening um, tell people where they can go to donate to the assembly? Uh, I should probably handle that. I, I don't have the, I can send people the link. Uh, it is a GoFundMe um, and we're just doing like a thing to keep our, our we're, we're sort of in the midst right now of, of, of working out with our landlord how we're going to like survive during this time. But um, anything helps. And um, if you don't want to help monetarily, you could always get involved by just DMing me because there's lots of things to do. So yeah, if you want to support it, by all means, do so. We'd love that. Yeah, thank you for that, Kelly. Sure. Thanks so much, everybody. Great job. Thank you, Kelly. Bye, Kelly. Bye. Thanks, Myers Award. Bye.